I know that as we gather, uh, this isn't a religious activity per se. It's more of a spiritual relationship that we have with our Lord Jesus. And I know that for uh, one week, for sure, there were several people in this room who thought primarily about the person of Jesus as they were uh, doing all the things that he was directing them to do. And it reminds me of what... um, what uh, the writer of Hebrews said in chapter 12, he said that um, we fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. And when Jesus uh, uh, endured the, the cross, he despised the shame and he put his, my, his own mind on the joy that was set before him. And it's a way of saying that during this time where we're looking at uh, all of the events that were uphill events for him that resulted in a bloodstained cross and three days in the grave, he knew that there was something on the other side that made that totally and completely worthwhile. Now, what we're going to see today is, in a sense... Uh, the result of the story that we're celebrating during this Easter uh, series that we're doing. And that is the power of the resurrection just going to work uh, in lives and in communities in ways that are redeeming. And hearkening back to Hebrews 12 too, uh, God is not only the author of our faith, but he's the perfecter. He's developing us into the people that we need to be. And on that note, we've been spending, has it been five years or six years that, that, that we've gone down to the Dominican? It's, it's just a blur, isn't it? <laughs> six times. Yeah. Now, now, Marie, had you gone down prior to us joining you? Yeah. So, 11 years for you and then... Uh, of that 11, the last six have been in partnership with us helping you. And that's been such a blessing. Uh, it's, it's an incredible story. It almost is one that needs to be written. As I hear... Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why don't you guys come on up and just tell us about it, because your enthusiasm is bubbling over. The pews are much more comfortable. Yeah, but you guys are going to be in the spotlight here. Make sure we got enough seats for everybody. Okay. All right. Let's go. Why don't we put the groups of people that work together kind of uh, aligned Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So everybody's situated. And you have some little helpers over there too with you. Go ahead. Yeah. 
Hi. Hi. These are my grandchildren, Stella and Isaac, and they've gone with us for the last three years. So as wow. soon as they were immunized, they got to go, which is yeah. really, really, really awesome. And um, my whole family actually was there again this year, which is pretty great also because doesn't happen very often, so we were all there. Yeah. At the same time. And that's Marie. Uh, her. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Do you hear the infamous Marie? That's. Uh, yeah. And Esther, her sister, they're the ones that, uh, yeah. that orchestrate this whole thing, so, yeah. Um, just so everybody knows, uh, Marie's son, Ben, was here about a month ago, yeah. maybe, maybe a little longer. Like and that. we had the privilege of praying for Ben Thank and you. just helping to send him down to the Dominican. Yeah. Uh, to do the work that he feels very strongly called to do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's going on for an indefinite period of time. He's doing great. Yeah. He, um, I've been talking to him probably more than I talked to him when he lived at home, honestly. Uh-huh. But um, <laughs> he's doing really great. He's already done. He used up all the supplies we bought this past time and has done several floors. He's poured some concrete floors for those of you that don't know what that means. And he's also found a couple of people to fix their houses up too. So he's just going around and checking yeah. out different communities and all that type of thing. And he's doing really, really great. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. yeah. He's really I, happy. I'm sure if the Lord's called him, he's going to give him a lot to do. He's pretty happy. Yeah. 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 And, and that's yeah. true. He's yeah. got a lot to do. In fact, he said he was going to come home for a couple months in the summer and I don't think he's going to do that. Uh, he's got so much to do already yeah. that he's not coming back. So. Uh, yeah. Don't be surprised. No, yeah, yeah. You may have to go down to see he's him. He's gone. I know. I'm already thinking that way. So yeah. And yeah. Ben, uh, his job here in the States before he, uh, retired, <laughs> um, was a uh, social work, right? And yep. he was working with those less fortunate. Um, and while we were down there in the, on the construction team, uh, there was a couple kids that had some, uh, disabilities and, and he just, they just gravitated towards Ben and mm-hmm. it was cool to see them interact. And Ben was saying, yeah, when you guys leave, it's going to be fun because, uh, we're going to, I'm going to take them fishing because these, these two kids in, in specific, they, you know, kids would throw stones at them. They didn't play, they didn't go play with the other kids. They hung out with us and helped us. I mean, they worked like crazy. Yeah. And, uh, but it's cool to see his work that he was doing here in the States, still continuing his heart, helping, yeah, that's where his, helping those kids. His heart is he's got a special, um, when he was a social worker here, he worked with, um, mentally handicapped anywhere from, you know, psychological diagnosis to, you know, downs and all that type of thing. So that's where his heart was. And then that's what these kids are. They're mentally Handicapped, so he's going to take a day a week and take them fishing or bring them to the job site and help let them help again, which is really pretty cool. Yeah. Well, what's scrolling on the screen right now, if we want to, um, that's a pile of mecla. That's a pile of concrete that, uh, just so you're wondering what those are. Um, and that's shirtless Dave. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> he just, uh, he, every day he was there just standing in the sun. I don't know how he did it. And, uh, so we'd mix the concrete on the floor uh, or on the ground outside and then take it into the house. Uh, this was one of the homes. Uh, this was their living area where, where they would sleep. Uh, and we just, bucket it in and put it down and uh it doesn't seem like much you can see right through their walls um but having a concrete floor is pretty significant in health um staying out of the mud staying dry uh, all those things and it's a it doesn't seem like much but it is but they can't afford they're willing to do the manpower um and they just can't afford to get the materials there that they, that they need so that's where we help out also Travis here I don't know if you can see that very well 
We walked into this village. You know, you look at their homes. This guy had a weight bench. He had a pull-down machine. Like, it was all rigged up. And uh, he was pretty He was pretty ripped. So Travis and then Mayo here, one of the – he was uh, – they were showing us how, how to do it. <laughs> but uh, this was an awesome picture heading back to uh, La Laguna where it was way back in. This dirt road, bumpy road, uh, it was about, what, a – 30-minute drive on this road specifically, and uh, it was just way back in. You wouldn't think anybody lived back there, but uh, they had this little community, um, and this is that's La Laguna. It's kind of, I wouldn't say it's in the mountains, but it's kind of in the valley, and you can see, see around, uh, but yeah. But Travis, what was your experience with construction? Um, it was honestly, like, eye-opening just to see, like, the conditions that they live in, like, we t- how much we take for granted here. Like, just the cement floor is just, like, awesome to have there. Um, and not only that, but to see how grateful they were for it, which makes it even, like, like better to do. Um, and some of the families that we did it for, like, they have, like, a bunch of kids, or we did it for the elderly that can't do it themselves, or the single moms. So it was just really cool to help them out. Um, one lady even made us fish, you know, just to help out, or they would even pitch in to do it, like, to help, even if they, like, were ladies, or, you know. Um, also, in some of the communities, like, just little kids from other houses, like, even if it wasn't their house, they would come and pitch in to help, which was really cool. And they, like, took our shovels, like, even while we were working, they're like, let me, let me. Yeah, um, kind of like kids around here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, it was just so cool. Um, I'd definitely do it again. It was awesome, eye-opening experience. This kid here, uh, Juan Luis, he uh, he helped us out, and I know he's helping Ben out. I, uh, how old was he? Is he twelve? Oh, he was seventeen. Okay, so he wasn't at school or anything, and we were like, okay, what's going on? So he evidently couldn't afford to go to school. Um, but he was helping out. Look at that smile. I mean, <laughs> every day we got to, he was just happy about everything. And then uh, he was sitting on our lifesaver, the donkey there. Uh, <laughs> you know, Leonard's, we've been doing this series of uphill and uh, how sometimes it's a struggle and it's a journey. But we got to La Laguna the first day and uh, it was, it had rained that morning and it was, it's clay. So it's really hard to walk on really slippery. And the first house we got to, we pulled up to do was up this rough trail and it, from the road, it, would you say it was a couple, it was probably 200 yards up the road. It seemed like a mile, but, um, so we, we walked up, took all our supplies, the, the wheelbarrows and stuff. And we got up there and there was, uh, about half the sand there that we needed to do it. And we're like, and the other sand pile that was dumped for the other house, it was dumped in the wrong place. So it was, I bet it was probably a half mile literally down the road. And we're like, what are we going to do? You know, it, it's muddy. It's, it's a mess, but we had to do it. And so all of a sudden they're like, okay, let's get some rope and wheelbarrows. And we, we were pulling the wheelbarrows and then, uh, we had the donkey come and we had some sacks of sand that they, they brought up. And I'll tell you what, where there's a will, there's a way. And there is plenty of will down there. Uh, they just pitch in and help out. And it's, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. Someone said, um, they were waiting for the donkey to arrive with a concrete. Like, where do you ever hear that? You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, you're not going to hear that every day. You know, yeah, probably not. But that, that was pretty cool. The borough. 
Okay. Uh, do you guys do you want to expand some more on on construction, or do you want to move on just a little bit? Um, yeah, I mean, I can a little bit. Okay. This house uh, was being newly uh, newly built, and like Travis said. Ben has a real cool selection process of who do we, because it's like, who do you help? I mean, okay, that family might have 50 cents more than the next family. Like it's, it's not, you know, everybody's poor, everybody needs help. And, uh, so he has a selection process of trying to get to know the people, kind of the mayor, so to speak of the village and who needs help, who's struggling the most. And, uh, so like Travis said, a lot of single moms that are trying to raise their family, um, some elderly people that just don't have much. And it's, you know, every once in a while you get a, get somebody, you know, you know, do my, do my house, do my house. It's, and they always say, Ben was like, they always say it's just a little, little house, little, little floor. And then you show up and I mean, you see the size of the houses, they're not big, but then, then it's a lot bigger than what they explained it to be. But, uh, it, it is really cool to see the, the careful, that that is taken in choosing the families that need help. This is this is the kids. You know, when you have concrete on shovels, you got to get it off fairly soon, or it's going to dry, and it's going to your shovel is going to be ten pounds by the end of the day. So every day they would sit there and they would scrub our tools and just and and they weren't and that that's full of water. You know, the wheelbarrow. And they weren't playing. Like, I'm just picturing my son, you know, starting to splash and stuff. I mean, there was a little bit of that, but, I mean, they were, they were working. They were so focused and so grateful for what we did. So, so yeah, we can move on. Uh, what, I'd like, what I'd like to do net, next is I, I would like to talk a little bit about the water filters. A lot of uh, people in our church have given to uh, the need for water filters. And this is directed to you, Terry. Um, because I know at one point uh, the health in that community was so bad and the needs were so great regarding um, how the nurses would come and, and assist on so many levels and the dentist. And all of that has changed to where the health quality has improved profoundly. And I want to know a little bit about the story behind how the water filter idea began, where that came from, and how that took off. Well, um, when we started going, I don't know, God just laid it on my heart that we need to do something more, more sustaining for their health. You know, we go in there and we can give them a few vitamins, a few ibuprofen, and our whole goal was to bring them the word but also, you know, they're just barely hanging on, and, and moms with sick kids. So, I don't know. I just got the idea of water. It's too difficult to, to dig wells because people, there's so many land disputes, and you never know who's going to take what over. So, I got the idea of the water filters, and Marie thought we were kind of crazy. <laughs> The first year, we, I wanted to get like maybe 30, and I didn't know what we would do with them, but I knew God would show up, and we had a pastor there that um, actually went to the water filter plant, and he made a deal that they would give them to us for less than they were actually, and we ended up with 40 that first year, and Marie kept saying, who's going to get the water filters? Yeah. I'm like, oh, God. I kept God's saying, gonna... you're going to cause a riot, because who are you going to choose, and God figured it out, because mm-hmm. he does yeah. that. He just shows up, and, and the uh-huh. right people got him. And each year, 
I'll let you expand on how many we've given out and how many people have been affected. But each year, thanks to all of your donations and so many people yeah. in so many ways donate that we don't even know where the money comes from. No. It just shows up. And the, um, it's, a, it's incredible, um, especially this year. And I, I know this happens and it's happened before, but this year it was so clear to me what was happening here. Um, for long story short, we, I was really, really busy before this mission trip. And about a month before we were leaving, I thought, you better get your act together because nothing was really done. And I said to Esther, the other um, leader of the group, I said, did we get any water filter money? And she said, well, how much did you want to do? And I said, well, at least 300. That's what we did last year. She totaled it up and she goes, well, we got enough for 300. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like I had no idea. It just comes in right before, about two weeks before we were ready to leave. Another community came to our attention of family or a community of 180 families. And we have a good contact there. We have a doctor who actually lives in that community, some people from my home church. And I was telling them, oh, I don't know. And they're like, you know, we really asked our community. Everybody wants them. They make no money. This is one of the poorest communities I've ever been in. I've been there before. And um, I'm like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen this year, maybe next year. Don't you know what? In two weeks, we had $9,000. $9,000 in two weeks because God wanted that to happen. And I... I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Like, I'm just overwhelmed. Because when he wants it to happen, it's going to happen. This year, there, we got more than $26,000 in water filter money. Wow. Through, uh, through God convicting people like you and like people from other churches that, that we have partnershiping with um, to help these people out. And it is, it's just incredible. Absolutely incredible. So far... In the last, since 2012, we've given out 1,380 water filters in like 16 different communities, mostly in the DR, but some in Haiti. And um, if the average family is five to six people, that's affecting more than 7,000 people. Like God is so good. He is so, 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 so good. And the thing that you see, and we've seen it this year more than any other year, is the communities that we gave. We made a special effort to go to every community that we gave water filters out in last year. And usually, for the most part, you would see maybe 100. The one community especially, the larger community that we serve, El Frances, which we've been going to for years, which they were really difficult at first, and now they're great. But we would see 150 to 175 people in clinic every single time we went. And we've been going there seven or eight times. We had 50 people at clinic this year. 50. You know why? Because they're feeling good, because they have clean water. The one community we've gone to um, where we know the professor really well, he told the whole community we were coming for clinic, and basically we would get 80 there usually. We got 20. And he said everyone knew, but they all said they didn't really need to come to clinic because they were feeling so good because of the water. So uh, it's been... In fact, we're putting ourselves out of a job because we're going to find new places to go, which we did actually discover this year. So I say to the professor in El Valle, it is, I say to him, so it looks like you don't need us anymore. He goes, oh, no, you're coming back because um, mostly because of Miss Lois and her wonderful um, VBS program. But 
it's just been amazing. And when you go back there, and I will say this too, this, it's the same in the larger community. And Alfred says, we did not have a whole lot of people for a clinic, but as soon as we pulled into that community, the kids in school went crazy. They were cheering and clapping. The teacher was like, um, okay, right? Well, they changed school this year. And so in the Dominican, they used to go to school. Some would go in the morning and some would go in the afternoon. Um, this year, they go all day. And she wasn't going to let the kids out of school for the VBS program. And um, the kids were really going crazy when they saw us because they really wanted to be out for the VBS program. And she wasn't going to let them out because of all the district rules and regulations or whatever have you. And don't you know, all the parents in that community marched down to that school, signed a petition, and got those oh, kids wow. out of school <laughs> for huh. the VBS. So um, it, it, was, it was a great year. Awesome. It was, it was awesome. a really awesome year. Yeah. Let's have Lois elaborate a little bit on that experience yes. uh, as you've set that up for us, Marie. That was probably... My favorite, one of my favorite moments from the trip because it was kind of like we pulled down that road and it was kind of like that scene in The Grinch Stole Christmas where the sound started out low and it started to grow <laughs> and it just kept getting louder and louder. I'm like, what is that sound? Because we were in the bus and Marie comes on and she goes, it's a riot in there. That teacher is trying to teach. She's not having school. Those kids are nuts. There's no way they're having school that day. So that was fun. That was our first day of BBS. So we went to a lot of different schools, and um, that's always interesting to go into the different villages. I think one of our other favorite moments was we, as a VBS team, are never able to go to the village of La Laguna because it is not accessible by bus. <clears throat> so we kind of said, we don't get to go to La Laguna? And she said, well, she said, you can climb on the back of the Diazzo if you want to, and we're like, "Yeah, let's let's do that." So, which is a flatbed truck, dually <laughs> yeah. truck. It's just a rough. It's it's like a two-ton truck. I think we had fifteen there, of us that we that, put in. There, yeah. there we are. <laughs> there we put in the back of that, and uh, Stella and Isaac were in there too, and it was just that was an, a first for me to be totally immersed into God's creation without the obstruction of. Uh, other than a small dirt road and just it was very jungle like and it was just beautiful and it just it was about a 40 minute ride up to the one point and then another 40 minutes beyond that and Layla and I were sitting next to each other and we just started singing every old Sunday school song that came to our mind we were singing the B-I-B-L-E and uh, Jesus loves me and whatever else we could come up with and it was just um that was a surprise and it was it was a wonderful adventure so I think one of the highlights for me on the VBS team was um, I never know who's going to be on my team. And I said, Marie, you know, that day I'm like, okay, so who do I have? And she said, oh, you got a great team. And she said, I said, okay, who do I have? And she said, well, you have Hannah. And I went, this is Hannah. <laughs> Hannah's from my church. And um, I've had the absolute privilege of watching her grow up from about the second grade, I think, is when she came. And to have one of my church kids come up and grow and to experience this with her was definitely a highlight for me. And I said, no, like, grown-up people. Who, who do I have that's grown-up? I said, Hannah's 16 and never been here before. And she said, well, well. So anyways, um, I had the absolute honor and privilege of having Curtis on my team. And I've never had a guy on my team before. 
was a little leery just because it gets very repetitious and we do the same thing over and over and over again. And you have to really stay focused in that environment, in the most non-focused environment that you could possibly be in. <laughs> and I found myself totally having to rely on Curtis a lot for adult help and I just can't, I think the third day I went to him and took him by the shoulders and I said, you better be in prayer, young man, about where God is calling you because you have a gift and your light is shining in this environment and I know that he has plans for you. So thank you, Curtis, from the bottom of my heart for all that you gave to the team. So it was just an awesome experience. There's a thousand stories. We saw about 500 kids. So um, some of them recognize you from year to year. The one little boy just grabbed onto my waist and I'm passing out all this stuff and he's just hugging me the entire time. He's probably eight or nine now, maybe ten. And just to, to see that, it's just a, it's a privilege to go and I'm so thankful to Marie and Esther to being open to God's plan and being willing to change that plan to, yeah, climb in the back of a truck, go for it. And, <laughs> and just to see where God's leading us. I'm just so thankful for that. That's cool. Yeah, you've done a great job with that over the years. <laughs> And it's cool to see Curtis uh, walk into that. And so if Curtis, if you and, and, and Hannah perhaps uh, have, a, have a thought, if either one of you want to want to share, or if you don't, either that's fine. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, we would go into these schools with the barbed wire fence around them and uh, each day, and we taught each, the kids three Bible stories. Um, and they would all listen and get involved with the skits that we, like uh, David and Goliath and Jonah and the fish. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's, yeah, there's Goliath. Um, yeah. <laughs> we would put him up on a chair and then maybe there, there might be a picture in here um, of a, a cloth that had sketched Goliath on and it, he'd put his face in it, you know, with the, with the beard and everyone would laugh. Um, we would give them candy and uh, necklaces, and um, but my my I think my favorite part is uh, when we would give the kids the teddy bears um, that Hannah and Lois created <laughs> made. No, no, that had no? way help. Oh, you, you had a, a lot of help. Okay, our church family. You're, okay, their church family helped create the teddy bears, which they had 500 teddy bears to give out to kids, and. Um, we would give them little yellow vests, as you saw in the picture, and give a little sticker that says Jesus on it, and uh, give them the teddy bear and say, Jesus te amo, which is Jesus loves you in Spanish. And uh, their lights, or their, their uh, faces just light up, like, uh, full of content and joy. Um, and that really just melts your heart, I guess. Um, so, you want to speak? That anything? No? Okay. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah. Layla. Layla, why don't you, why don't you offer, offer some stuff? Obviously, it in, impacted you a lot, uh, both of you guys uh, doing that. Yeah. Layla? Um, this is my second year going, and I just want to say thank you to Tom, because I wouldn't be going on this trip if it wasn't for Tom, because my grandma probably would not trust me there without, like, an older adult <laughs> with me. So, and she can't go because of the heat, but... Um, yeah, this is my second year going, and I'm so thankful because, like, I raised the $200 to go, like, for me, but, like, the church, I think, paid for the rest of it, and that's a big thankful thing for me. 
Um, my favorite part was obviously working on the kids team because I worked with Lois last year and it was a blast and that's why I wanted to come back. But my all-time favorite part was um, Diane's granddaughter, Olivia, had a piano and keyboard and they gave it to um, Marie about two years ago and they never took it down. Um, so, and Olivia's going to college next year, so she kind of wanted, like, they didn't take it down, so she was like, oh, I'll just take it to college with me. And we were, um, we were downstairs, and we were praying over Ben, and there was an opportunity for me. I have an extra keyboard, and I was like, hey, I have a keyboard that I don't use. We can take it down. So I gave it to Diane, and they took it down, and, um, she made a sewing little basket kind of thing for it, or cover, and, uh, funny story, um, we, I forgot it on the plane. <laughs> so Tom <laughs> ran for it, and they were loading the plane, and it was still in the um, cabinet thing, and Tom went and got it and brought it back, and we were almost through customs. So that was like a big, scary part. But um, we got it down there, and the first day we were actually down there, it was church, and there were, they, we were walking to a house, and we were talking to Pastor Anna, and she, Diane said, well, we have a donation of a, p- of a keyboard for you. So it was kind of like we got in there, and Pastor Anna like, said, where's our keyboard player? And this kid has been, been, hasn't been able to play a piano in a few years because the church, I don't know if they got rid of it or something, but he hasn't been able to play. To play. And his prayer has been that he just wants to play the keyboard again, and he wanted one for himself. And they brought it up in the um, front of the church, and they gave it to him. And, like, he was so happy, and he said thank you and everything. And at the end, I didn't know, like, I don't think he spoke English at all. And at the end, he came over to me, and he said thank you in English. And, like, that was just, like, a We have a life. short video of, of right okay. after the it was given to him. If you want to play the first part of that, Brian, it's piano. Es una bendición para mí que, que Dios se acuerde de que, de que yo estoy aquí y todavía sirviendo. Es una bendición para mí que Dios se acuerde de que yo estoy aquí y todavía sirviendo. Y que de tal otra persona para que me entregara ese piano. Gracias. Now I'm going to play with my love and I'm going to dedicate more time to the piano. So the audio was not very good, but he, he said that he just is so blessed that God remembered him, you know, through that. And way, way to go. Uh, well, well said, uh, Layla. And allowing God to orchestrate things through your life in that way. Uh, to bring joy into that person's life and probably a lot of people who will be blessed by his playing. Um, So that was cool to be a part of that experience, wasn't it? Yeah. Diane, why don't you share a little bit about um, uh, what what you saw happen? I know that you've got some continuity between the different times that you've been there and people that you've met. And there's always... Uh, dramatic stories uh, that, that you tell every year, and, and I'd like to hear a little bit about what you saw God do in some lives as you think back. Well, this year, uh, prior to us going, Terry orchestrated this um, study that we did on prayer, and it was for the members of our team, and it was for 40 days. Every day you had to um, choose a time and get up and do this study. And through that, 
I realize more and more how much um, prayer affects us and how powerful God is and how we don't use prayer to uh, the extent that we should and could and see him work. And the biggest thing, I think, for prayer is just knowing that whatever we do, whatever we say, that it brings God the glory. And it happened big time this year. Because my prayer before going, and Leonard had asked one day, you know, is there something particular we can pray for uh, for this year's trip? And my prayer was that we had more uh, eternal value in our trip. And it's like someone mentioned earlier, you can give them medication for a week or two or a couple months. You can give them a dirt or a, a cement floor. There's a lot of things that you can do, the kids' ministry. But what is really going to have eternal significance um, as a result of this trip? So <clears throat> that's what I had asked him to pray for, was for the eternal significance. So getting down there, I thought, well, how's God going to answer this? Because after doing this prayer study, I knew he could do things in a big way. Well, I didn't know how big. One of the main things um, was that he brought a minister and his wife from New York down to the Dominican. And he has a little village, and I forget what his village's name is. Lalameta. Yeah. Um, And he was... Awesome. A great guy. He and his wife both just had such a passion for ministry. Well, it started out basically then in the prison, and that's probably my favorite part every year. It's become um, there was myself and another gal from the Pittsburgh area that was doing evangelism. Well, we got to have those two help us, and they're bilingual, which was amazing because you knew that he had the passion to share Christ with these men in the prison, and instead of trying to do that yourself and have a translator that may not even be a Christian translating, and are they, you know, are they getting across to the people what you really want them to? So with him there and her there, it was amazing. It was just awesome. And ten men received Christ while we were doing our thing in the men's part. Well, then the next part was my favorite part, and that's going to the women's part. And there we did a program for them. This was all orchestrated ahead of time. And we had Pastor Anna and Pastor Maria, this new pastor's wife, um, speak. And then, what was her name, Lisa? Lisa, that helped out, and she gave them a welcome and stuff and talked a little bit, and then I spoke to them. Well, we gave an invitation, and nine women came to Christ as a result of that. Well, that wasn't even the best part. This part is like should have been in the Bible or something, but um, (laughs) while we were doing that, unbeknownst to us, above us, there's guys in solitary confinement. And there's a stairway right by where we were doing our little program and stuff for the women. And the guard came down and said, can somebody go upstairs? It's solitary confinement, and the men want to talk to you. So we talked, and I said, Anna, you go up. So she did. And when she got up there, there was a man standing over by a window, and he says, come here, come here, come here. He said, I have questions. I, I want to know more. I want to know more. And then the other guys are saying, no, no, me, me. And it was almost like they thought only one of them could know this. Here, they were listening through the floor to our program and wanted this Christ we were talking about. Wow. Amazing. 
Yeah. You know, how does that happen? When God shows up, he doesn't just show up, he shows off. I'll tell you what. <laughs> he really did amazing things then. She sat on the floor with those six men that were in solitary confinement, had committed murder and a lot of heinous crimes, and led each one of the six Christ. Amazing. Wow. So we had ten in the men's part, nine in the women's part, six there. We got back down, and Anna said, don't give the gifts away until I come back down. So we didn't. Well, we gave the gifts away, and one of the things that I had wanted for the women this year was some kind of devotional that they could have to share with each other after we left, because we always give them a Bible. Well, uh, Marie had found some in the Capitol, and it was called the Magdalena Magdalena Project. Project. And so we gave them out to the ladies then. That was the last thing we gave them. And um, there was a leader's guide. And I said, well, what do you think? What should we do about the leader's guide? Because the pastor that used to be in the women's part, who was one of the prisoners, was released in this last year. So we had to try to decide. And there was this lady that hit both of us. And her name was Fioralisa. And so we asked her if she would do this. And she just cried, the tears just flowed, and she was so honored and humbled that we would ask her to do that. So we took her up, and Pastor Anna did a dedication ceremony with this white veil over her and stuff. It was just so neat. And um, afterwards, we prayed with her, and then we kind of separated a little bit and finished up our program. And I went over to talk to her afterwards, and um, she said to me, today, and I said, Today, and she said, today, I said, what? And she said, today, I found out my purpose. She said, my husband and I have been falsely convicted. And she said, for the last, I don't know how long, for quite a while, God had been waking her up between 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning to pray. And she was praying, and she said, God, what, what do you have me here for? What am I doing here? You know I'm innocent. Her husband was in another prison four hours away. They didn't have a bed for her, so she had to come to this prison. And she said, what am I doing here? She said, today I know what I'm doing here. She said, I have a purpose now. God wants to use me here in this prison now. And so she said, it's okay. It's okay that I'm here. So her, her question was answered. And there was two other uh, ladies that were there. One that uh, Sally and I had met and prayed for for some time. The last time I was there, she was, um, had just found out that she was HIV positive. And one last year that um, Chris, our dentist, had um, really had a passion for and had talked with and prayed with and had been praying for her every week since then. And come to find out... Um, those two ladies both had signed their name. I gave them a, uh, my notepad to sign their name if they had accepted Christ. And those two ladies both had accepted Christ. And it, it was just so amazing because Chris was kind of angry with God when she saw that this lady was still there. Her name was Karina. And she said, God, why is she still here? Why is she still here? You know, we prayed and all this. And, and she was another one that was innocently convicted. And she's going to court, actually pretty quick um, to see if they could get that turned around but anyway she said why is she still here and I took my notebook over to Chris I said what was her name and she said Karina I said here and her name was on the book too so it's amazing how your prayers are not answered 
maybe today or tomorrow, but it might be down the road with a keyboard or it might be down the road with leading somebody to Christ, but it sometimes just takes time and we're planting seeds and I think that's the biggest thing about this mission is that we're planting seeds and and that uh, God answered the prayer that it would have more eternal value. Then we had the ladies program. Um, it was awesome. We had 62 ladies, not including those of us that were working, and five of the ladies there accepted Christ. So um, well, I think that the value that we were looking for was definitely... That's certainly an answer to prayer. Yeah. And it also is a good way to illustrate what Paul says in Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And over time, we see how he works things together for good. And obviously, you've been able to see that each time you go back. Uh, You see uh, a reminder of something that maybe was uncertain and then later something that became clear. And that's just got God's imprint all over it. And it's so cool to hear these stories because it is a reflection of, I think, the power of the resurrection just working in lives and hearts and and in you guys as servants. And uh, what a privilege to be a part of something so rich and meaningful. I think uh, another thing to point out is, um, look on the front of your bulletin, um, is people going uphill and... We noticed this uh, a couple of weeks ago that you really can't see the rope that's going between the people that are that we help each other along. And I think sometimes people say, "Well, why do you keep going back to the same community? And what what do you have?" And I, I think you know that is a good example of of it is the relationship that's built that we're not just there, give them something, and walk away, but it's an ongoing process and walking with them. And and even having Alex, uh, Pastor Anna's there. Um, there's there's churches. I've noticed that there's churches in about every little little community. But uh, the depth of of that, I'm not sure where it is. But to see what Anna and Pastor Alex are doing, uh, is a, it just seems like God's working more and in a more, uh, I don't know, more theological and deeper, deeper way than just the, the ritual of, of church and pe- leading people to have a relationship with them. And I, I, I think these are right. This is the text, I think, that you sent Lois, that uh, there were 500 New Testaments that were given out, 35 prison Bibles, and... Um, I love the one picture. I don't. It's uh, Diane was sitting with I think your translator with a guy, and then the next picture is him with a pair of glasses on that and reading a book, reading a book. And uh, so there were two two hundred glasses, and there really wasn't like a glass project, you know, something. It was just like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so even that, even that, you know, God provided 200 glasses. Um, there, the medical team saw over a thousand. Yeah, there it is. Medical team saw over a thousand patients. Uh, still, um, there were 45 dental patients, and that's huge. Uh, Chris Sigworth from uh, Alliance Area. She, um, she had gone one year, and she found out that she was struggling. I don't know if we told this last year that she was just pulling teeth. And as a dentist, <laughs> you don't want to pull teeth. You want to fix teeth. And, uh, cause their nutrition, everything is, is suffered. And she, uh, she got the equipment together. And, uh, so they were, they, she saw 45 patients that they, uh, they were able to help and fix teeth. And there were a hundred women in the women's program and the VBS, uh, ministered to over 500, 500 kids as well. So I think it's, uh, 
and there was 500 filters this year, right? 530 water filters this year. And I, I just did a quick calculation. That was in two weeks, right? Because you went down the week before. And uh, so that's, I figure, about eight days of distrib- distributing them, um, right? I mean, between the two weeks, four days each week, whatever. But that's over 63 water filters a day. And I'm just, you know, that people were being blessed with. And it's... I, the idea that, and when we go and give these water filters out, well, you know, we do our little spiel about where they come from and how expensive they are because you have to tell people that so that they value them. And we do charge a little for them so that the people that are getting them value them. But if you can't pay, we still let you have one. And we say, I'll work it out with the pastor because we usually give them out in a church, honestly, in every community we've gone to. It's pretty much been, you know, you use the church as, as your venue for your talk. But we tell them, there are people in the United States that care about you and care about the idea that you need clean water to live and be, you know, productive and feel good. And so we tell them about everyone here. So they get the idea that there are people here who care about them and that God has directed us to do this and that God has basically provided that. And I think the best, the best privilege that we get is to be an answer to prayer. You know, that's how God works. And so you get to go there and you get to give the kid a piano who's been praying for that. And he says, and I quote, God knows me. He knows who I am. He sees me. You get to show up for God like that. And I think that's just an amazing, amazing privilege. I was in church, that picture. <laughs> they were having a good time. Yeah. Sorry. That's cool. Oh, yeah. And this year we put um, papers in there about <clears throat> Jesus being the living water as well. So th- those were lovely. And we stuck them in the bottom of the bucket so that when they clean out their buckets, they got that too. So we were able to evangelize through the filters in that way. There's one last thing I would like to say. We brought a bunch of teenagers this year, which is something new for us. Like, we've maybe had a couple in the past, one or two at at a time, but not, pretty sure we had seven of them. You never know how that's going to go, because a lot of them did not know each other prior to coming, obviously. The kids from here knew. But a lot of them had no, I mean, they did not know each other, and I'm thinking, oh, that could go either way. That could really get crazy. And it was absolutely, tremendously amazing these kids were amazing. They did everything and more that was asked of them. They got along so well. And every night they had a little Bible study. And I got to tell you, Curtis is, he's just number one in my book. I just love the kid. And he had a lot to do with that. But every, everything to do with the idea that all those kids were on the same page. And it, it was just, that was... That was pretty awesome. So. And in that group, um, what's so great about the Steel City Missions is um, you, you got to go have a heart to serve people. And that's pretty much the only requirement. And to have pretty your money. It. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's but, uh, but uh, you don't have to be a believer. And the ministry that was happening amongst the team yes. was incredible this year. Absolutely. Um, even with, the, it, I, yeah. I mean, that's my heart. You know, you... I've been to places, and I get why this happens, but my heart is, you know what? If you have a heart to go, then God wants to work with you, and you may not even know what you believe, but he's going to show up big when you go to serve him, and you're going to get a whole new perspective on it. And all my kids, you know, that's where, that's where they got saved, if you, 
you know, if you want to put it that way. They didn't have a commitment ceremony or anything, but you know that's where they found out who God is and how he works and what he can be for you and how he forgives you and how much he loves you no matter what you've done in the past. And so that's where my heart is. If you have a heart to go, you come and go, and God will show up, and, um, and we get to minister to each other. And that's, that, that was happening, and that was pretty awesome. So I was really, that was really great. Okay. <laughs> that's just stellar top to bottom. Yeah. Uh, there's just, you can't beat it. And um, you guys, if we had room, could be all up on the stage with us. Yeah, that's you, right. you're, you're part of the yeah. team. You yep. really are yeah. through prayer, through uh, what you've given for the, for the water Amen. project. So yeah. um, you guys should feel just, just, as, uh, just as proud to be used by God uh, and humbled in that way as well. Yeah, that's a good call for everybody. Um, we're going to uh, probably forego the invitation hymn and uh, move on into communion because I know we're running, running behind on time. We're so grateful you guys came and did what you did.